Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 290, BGG Hotness Full Preview 2020. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, Anthony, we are back and we are talking about board games are is are we still talking about board games i think that's what the show's about all right a, all right all did right. i miss the meeting i missed the meeting <laughs> you know school started this week and everything's just all out of whack so <laughs> we've already established it's 2020 time and space clearly don't exist so i don't know board games yeah. <laughs> i think that's what we're doing i don't I don't. Yeah, so this week we are talking about our full preview for 2020, and Board Game Geek is again so gracious to put together a fantastic list of the new games coming out from September to October in 2020. Of course, you want to know about the latest and greatest in board gaming, so that's why we're here this week, and in general, that's why we're here every week to bring you all the board game content that you've been missing for so long. And to be your friends at the table while we can't be with all of our friends at the table. So join us, if you will, as we lavish our love and attention upon the cardboard and let you know what is great, what you should be picking up. And of course, hopefully what you'll be getting to the table soon. So that's going to be a great feature of you. But before we get into all that kind of fun stuff, we have been talking about this for quite some time, for many years all the wonderful things that we want to do and all the gratefulness that we have for you. We always wanted to do more content and it turns out we're doing more content. So Anthony, Woo! why don't you tell everyone about more content, my friend? Yeah. BGA live. We talked about this before, so this shouldn't be a huge, huge shock, but what it is a huge shock is that if you're listening to this on September 9th, the day the episode comes out, BJ Live is tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> hop online, guys. So this is a brand new show that we're launching in conjunction with Board Game Arena. And it will be a, I don't know, hour and a half, two hour show where we go through kind of the board game, not, I want to say news, but the stuff that's interesting in the hobby, interesting with us, interesting with all of you, the watchers, the viewers, the listeners to this podcast as well. And then we're going to deep dive into a game on Board Game Arena. Then we're going to, you know, either sit down and discuss the game. We're going to watch people play and talk about it. We might have special guests on. This week, we're doing Marco Polo, The Voyages of Marco Polo. So we're going to be calling a game of The Voyages of Marco Polo on Board Game Arena, um, discussing everything that's great about the game, some of the challenges, some of the quirky differences from other euros and then of course all the amazing and horrible and nonsensical moves that people make in the game as we watch so be sure to join us we're pretty excited this is the first episode that we're doing and uh, we're going to be doing it every single week going forward for the foreseeable future and yeah we're, we're looking forward to it and hope that you all join us and uh, have some fun on twitch on board game arena <laughs> Yeah, so you could find us on Twitch, but obviously uh, BoardGameArena.com. You will see our Twitch stream running there on Wednesday, which will be today, hopefully, when you're listening to this podcast, 8.30 p.m., and that's Eastern U.S. Standard Time. 
And if not, you'll be able to find the broadcast recorded and later for your viewing. But Anthony, I think the biggest question is, will we? And if we do, how many times will we be making the Marco Polo joke? Marco? Polo? Yes. How many times will we be doing that if we do it at all? I guess you'll have to listen to the stream and see if that old dad joke actually comes out there. Well, you do have an old dad on the show, so... <laughs> I don't know. It's good to be I mean, bad. It's still, it's still technically summer, so I'm sure some kids somewhere out there in the world is enjoying a pool game with their friends. So, you know, who knows? We may not use it. We may, we may go high class on the episode. We're not really sure what's going to happen. So join us live, and for the first time, not anonymous, in person, with faces and, and such... And uh, again, thank you all so much for your support. It means a lot to us. I hope you are able to join us this week. If not, please join us every week because, again, board gaming is awesome. But in particular, you, my friends, are even more so. So speaking of which, Anthony, we have our awesome listeners, and they were gracious enough to answer our question of the week. Question of the week is, if you had to choose one game to represent the state of the hobby board gaming today what would it be and why so what's one game that you could point at and say this is what the hobby is like right now uh so we got a lot of good answers here of course uh i think one of the ones that i was thinking off the top of my head several people mentioned so i think it's kind of the low-hanging fruit wingspan <laughs> um i think wingspan does very perfectly encapsulate what has happened to hobby board gaming it's becoming more mainstream it's being discussed outside of hobby corners it's selling hundreds of thousands of copies and it's about subjects that are not typical board gaming subjects like birds right um, i'm going to talk about another one today from the same designer same kind of thing thank you to everybody who mentioned wingspan i 100 agree you know production quality gameplay wide range appeal 100 games that were mentioned uh were azul which i think has definitely broken through uh, along with some other recent spiel winners like code names which you can find anywhere we have the century games uh and so some of these are like, these are gateway-ish games, and that makes sense why they would be kind of representative of the hobby. Brian mentions Blood Rage, as there seems to be an overwhelming amount of vitriol on Kickstarter comments and board game geek forums. <laughs> Feels like we're headed towards Ragnarok. I think it, in a certain way, yes, that does represent the hobby quite well. Uh, several people also mentioned Pandemic, kind of <sighs> probably as a joke. Um, <laughs> state of the world and all. Uh, and then uh, Christio mentioned a feast for Odin as there is everything for everybody, which I think is a, a good way to put that. That game is just a bunch of stuff in a box. A couple other games I wanted to mention on my end, uh, Scythe, I think is a good pre, I guess a precursor to Wingspan because same company, same production qualities, but that was like the first game that kind of came down the pike on Kickstarter and said, Nope, everything is big. Everything is upgraded. Everything's expensive. Yeah. Huge boxes stuff. All the expansions will be the same. Here you go. You have to get a forklift if you want to bring this to game night, right? And now all the games are like that. That's just kind of the way it is. Example representation of the hobby is probably going to be Fort slash Root, where it's these unassuming cutesy games that like a mom and dad would probably pick up for their kids, maybe teenagers. And yet it's this really hardcore strategy game. So like board gaming has been around for a very long time and it has this 
these enormous pedigrees and these wondrous tactics and strategies and deep, deep military kind of like problem solving. And now it's for kids. And you're like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I think that's one of those things where it's like, you know, what other industries has this wealth of untapped potential that can be made into like family entertainment. I think the closest example probably would be comic books finally doing that in like full mode where the Marvel universe came out. And it's like, Hey, this is now for everyone in a real specific way, instead of just like this haphazard kind of situation, because again, generations of comic books. Now we're seeing that with board games, right? Like who thought woodland creatures engaged in uh guerrilla tactics? I mean, how is that a thing, my friend? How? How'd that happen? <laughs> I have a funny story about that because I got Fort, as you did. We talked about it a couple weeks ago and played it with the kids and they both loved it. My daughter loves it, especially, even though she doesn't 100% get it. I have to help her a little bit. But the artist is the same for Root. And so yeah. she saw all the Root boxes on my shelf and she's like, ooh, I want to play that one next. And I was like, eh, I don't think we can do that. And then she saw the stuffed animals hanging up and she's like, oh, it's the stuff it's just for kids right it's a kid's game i'm like not really <laughs> so I'm like showing her a video of it because she didn't believe me and i'm like this see it's kind of not you know and then i had the game on steam came out of course and i'm playing that and she's sure. like how is this not for kids dad <laughs> <laughs> like she just didn't believe me she thought i didn't want to play with her i'm like I yeah just, it's not for you i'm sorry fort we'll play fort <laughs> yeah i just think the transition from the heavy war strategy 18 double x heavy car core euro gamer to family entertainment without you know watering down the essence of the board game i think you know fort especially i think fort's going to be the game of the year i haven't played everything yet but i think fort's going to be the game of the year but nonetheless root was obviously almost everyone's game of the year you know when it first came out so yeah, I know. We have some fantastic, great representation from the hobby this year. All right. So if you would like to add your picks, please, we are not done talking about them and getting them out to the world. So please find us on all of the social medias. We are on all of them. You know all of them, and we're on all of them. So take this opportunity, pause the podcast for a minute, go to your social medias, guarantee you're going to find us there. And for some reason, if you don't, let Anthony know, because he's put us on all of them, and who knows, maybe there's a new one tomorrow, we're eventually going to get Anthony to do TikTok videos, but until that day comes, find us on the rest of them, so that we can hear what you have to say, but obviously, especially on Facebook, because it's the oldie, but a goodie, and Twitter, of course, where you can answer the question of the week, and of course, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, and now, finally, we'll be on Twitch. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's going on with our listeners. Let's get on to the games that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right, yeah, this is one I caught at the very top of the BGG hotness. Had never seen it before, and it's very colorful, so I was instantly interested. It says 10 and up, uh, community 8 and up. I'm like, perfect, play it with the family. Has a solo mode, double perfect, 100% on board with this one. It's called Kuatl. And I'm probably saying that wrong, so apologies if that is the case. But it is a abstracty type of game in which you are 
drafting or taking these various little pieces um, from the center of the table, similar like what you do in Azul, and then collecting them all and then using them to build your own Kowaddle, the Serpent. And you're going to build three of those things. They each have a head, a tail, and then a certain number of body parts in between. And they're these really colorful plastic bits. Um, It just looks tactile and fun to, to work with. And the goal of this, of course, is you want to finish them, but there are specific objectives, right? So there's cards in the game that are going to come out and say certain patterns you want to have or the certain kind of layout or certain colors you don't want to have in there. And so you're trying to work towards those while also drafting these pieces and making sure other people don't get what they need. And it seems like it's going to be very much along the lines of you know recent releases like Azul that kind of hit this sweet spot of simple rules, deep you know, emergent gameplay because of the abstract nature, family friendly, but also possibly a little mean, as most abstract games are, which, as I've learned, kids actually kind of like that, uh, unless you do it to them. And then it's just colorful. And the artwork on the cards looks really fun and fantastic. So I'm very interested in picking this up. Both the designers are new. The company that's releasing this, Synapses Games, I haven't personally heard it before. I think it's Heidelbar. Uh, over in Germany. Yeah, it's kind of came out of nowhere for me. I hadn't heard anything about it. I think Z Garcia might have done a review, so maybe that's why it's up at the top of the hotness. But it is now on my personal list to pick up. Um, I have it pre-ordered. I think it comes out in like a week or two when you're listening to this. So, Quattle, check it out. If you're on BGG, you've probably already seen it, but click on it, check it out, and see if it's for you. Yeah, it's a very unusual game. I don't think we've seen kind of this puzzle building really unique pieces. I think the closest thing I can remember is is Reef where it had those kind of big, chunky plastic pieces you could put together and just a really nice eye design style for the game. So, yeah, I didn't think this looks great. This is definitely something you could play with the family at the table, and it looks to be a lot of fun. All right, so that's everything that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about the games that did hit the table, and we'll let you know if those games are a buy, and you should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play, and you should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and you should avoid them at all costs, or if those games are, the, in fact, the dreaded burn, please avoid them. Don't let them get swallowed up by a giant plastic snake. Anthony, what do you have up for us this week? All right. I mentioned this at the top, a little bit of a tease. The new game from Elizabeth Hargrave, Mariposas, came out last week, and I got a chance to play it. So this is a game about migrating monarch butterflies, which I've always had kind of a fascination with because when I was a kid, they were around all the time, and now nothing. <laughs> so they they are not doing well in terms of you know ecologically, and so it's an interesting idea. Like the rule book does talk about the story of them and how many there were back in the day and how many there are now and kind of the journey that they go on. But basically, they leave Mexico, they migrate north, uh, all the way up through North America, breeding along as they go and then eventually those generations come back to mexico so it's just like this massive multi-generational migration and the game takes place over three rounds that kind of represent that so you have the three different seasons each of those seasons you're going to get a varying number of turns so you start in spring i believe and you're going to get four turns then in summer you get five and fall you get six so over the course of the game you get 15 turns On your turn, you're going to play a card down, and the card's going to have some number of movement steps that you can take. So it might say, like, move three butterflies one step, and it can be the same butterfly, but you move three times. Or move one butterfly five steps, whatever it might be. Each of those seasons also has some kind of goal. So it'll be, 
have as many butterflies as you can north of Atlanta. You know, that's one of them that came up when we were playing. And you get a point for every one of your butterflies that gets north of Atlanta. You might also get points for having butterflies on different colored squares. The board itself is like this big hex grid that is broken up into uh, five different colors. And then there's also cities on there that represent different bonuses you can pick up. So when you move your butterfly, you move them up, they land on a space, you get whatever flower token is there. Um, If you land on a city, you get to flip over that tile, roll the flower die and take the bonus. There's some cards you can pick up as like a set collection element. And if you get all four in the set, because there's three different colors for that, you get some special bonus for that as well. And if you land next to the milkweed, you can breed your butterflies by spending those flowers you've been picking up, and then you upgrade them to the next generation. Each season, you're going to lose butterflies from the previous generation. So when you go from spring to summer, if you have bred no butterflies, you get to place one of the twos out for free, and then all of your ones go off the board. So you definitely want to be doing this constantly so that you're upgrading them and moving them up, right? End of the game, you get a huge bonus if you get your butterflies back down to Mexico. And the more of them you get back down there, and they have to be generation fours, but the more of them you get back down there, the more points you get. So you're trying to balance out points from the goals in each round, the uh, bonus cards that you pick up along the way, and then the end game scoring by getting back to Mexico with those fours. And so the scoring track goes all the way up to 50 We were in the 20s and 30s with our scores, first time playing. So it wasn't like nobody ran away with it. It was not like something you could just, you know, stomp everybody at. It's hard to kind of wrap your head around what you're supposed to be doing. And those goals are hidden until people breed the butterflies or you get to the rounds. You don't even know what you're working towards in the fall, necessarily. This game is very much unlike Wingspan. It's not a tableau builder. It's not, you know... You're collecting sets and you're moving around and trying to manipulate your space on the board. There's no area control really here. You can share spaces with other people, but you want to get to certain locations. And so if you're too far away from that location, you're not going to get there. You can't score the extra points. So you kind of want to spread out and diversify and set yourself up early so that you can get back to Mexico at the end of the game and score the most possible points of those Generation 4 butterflies. So... I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fantastic, accessible game. Like, there's no text on anything. It's all language independent. It's easy to pick up what you're supposed to be doing. Um, I was able to teach it to my kids without any problem. Helped the, you know, the youngest a little bit. But generally speaking, it was very um, quick and easy to pick up. It's, I don't want to say it's like a gateway game, but it's definitely in the same ballpark as a wingspan, where it's a good family-style game that you can play with just about anybody. It's clever. It's very tightly designed there was no like loose ends or anything nothing felt out of whack balance wise like it's clear that elizabeth hargrave is not going away that wingspan was not a one-hit wonder this game is very well designed it's very uh you know precise and direct and it's cool that it came out so quickly so that we just get more you know takes on these things it would be interesting down the line too like to see if she branches out and does something outside of birds and butterflies and nature in general but i mean if that's what she enjoys it's awesome but just you don't want also don't want to be pigeonholed as the person who has nature games right you're hoping for something in the 40k universe right why not (laughs) (laughs) a nice tableau builder with (laughs) oh man but yeah i really enjoyed this i think it's fantastic the box says like 14 plus i think and that's just aeg not getting it rated uh community rating on bgg is eight i agree like my nine-year-old had no problem my five going on six-year-old was pretty close so 
very solid game. I give this one a buy. If you like Wingspan and you're not expecting Wingspan 2, because I think some people might be disappointed in that it's not really the same game, check this out. It's really fantastic. And I was pleasantly surprised. I do think I like it possibly even a little bit more than Wingspan, but I'm not, I wasn't the hugest fan of Wingspan in the first. Like I liked it, but that was a solid play for me. This one's a. Yeah, I think the hardest thing for designers to do is just to pull out a whole different gear just to do something radically different. And that's one of the things we always loved Feld for was he had different gears. Like it wasn't just like the castles of Burgundy 15 times. Cause there are some designers that do that. And then again, that's not a bad thing. They refine their design. They come up with different variations for it, but when you can do something different, you know, bravo, as, as far as that's concerned, you know, this was a game that was hotly anticipated. We've seen a lot of designers kind of produce a, and I hate to use this kind of terminology, but like a one-hit wonder, come out with their second game and it just drops like a dud for whatever reason. It's fantastic to hear that this game is as great, but in a different way than Wingspan happens to be. And again, that it's a different gear. It's a different thing altogether because that's really what you like to see. I mean, you know, we might see Hardgrave just you know, maybe 10 years down from the line doing her own like massive Kickstarter collection with all like new pieces and yada, 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 as, as far as that's concerned. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to get this to the table. All right. So that's everything that's hitting our table. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about the hottest games that are coming up for September to October. That's burning up Board Game Geeks list. Anthony, what are you thinking about this upcoming season? What are we looking at? And uh, give us a rundown, my friend. Yeah, what are we looking for? What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's 2020, <laughs> man. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, Cats and dogs living together, board games. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so BGG put up their September and October preview. They did this for the summer. This one's a little more interesting because it's all the stuff that would have come out at Essen, which is always more interesting yeah. to us. So, Very much so. Lots of Euros. I feel like a lot of stuff got delayed out of Gen Con too. So it's just, it wasn't on any list over the sure. summer. But this list is pretty solid. There are a lot of things on here that we'd already covered. And then a lot of things that were a little bit lower on the list, we just didn't get to. We'll come back to this probably closer to Essen and do it again and pick up everything we missed. But a lot of good stuff. I'm I'm intrigued. There's a lot of good stuff coming this fall. So I don't know how to buy any of it, but it's coming. I organized these by thumb rating on BGG and then sorted them based on, you know, what we've already talked about. And so some of them you might be like, why is that on there? And I will say, I don't know. But we're going to mention it anyways, because a lot of people are excited. I say that because the first game on the list is Red Cathedral uh, from Devere Games. And I don't know why it's the top of the list. Um, it looks interesting. I mean, it's got a Moncala element, um, a little bit of area control. The artwork is intriguing. Devere Games has done some interesting stuff. I don't know that they've had a game yet where I was like, wow, this is fantastic. But they've had a few that were very unique and had different mechanics so i don't know keep my eye on this it's about building saint basil's cathedral in russia which is cool theme i don't know (laughs) so are you concerned that there is interference in the voting from the russians i'm just saying man we got political fast move on (laughs) (laughs) okay you're 
you were asking how it got there. Oh, and, uh, that's true. <laughs> oh man. Preview things to come. Uh, let's hope not. Uh, Lost Ruins of Arnick. This is from Czech Games Edition. This is their big box release for the fall. And it is a, uh, like the cover is very like Lost City of Z, uh, Quest for El Dorado type of thing. So this is explorers going into the jungle, searching for treasures. Um, it's an adventure style game, but like with deck building elements and some worker placement. So it's kind of what CGE's become known for is taking Ameritrash style uh, mechanics and turning them into a Euro games. So you have things like Sanctum or Adrenaline or even Mage Knight, where you look at the box, you think, wow, that must be like an adventure game. And then you get into it, you're like, whoa, there's a lot of mechanics here. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm very interested in this, actually. I want to see how it works. I have not seen anything about it yet otherwise, but it's definitely high on my list to check out this fall. Polis is the second edition of Polis Fight for the Hegemony. Um, designed by Fran Diaz. It's coming from Devere Games, and it looks really pretty. And I say that because the first edition of the game, not so much. <laughs> it's kind of an ugly game. Um, this is a two-player-only game. It's like a Civ Light type of thing. It's actually on Borgie Marina, and I have tried to play it, but it is difficult to learn on there. So I'm excited for the physical version. Um, I do know somebody who has a physical edition, but we couldn't get it played before you know, lockdowns and whatnot. So I'll probably pick this one up because it, Having learned it now twice and played through it, kind of, it seems pretty cool. Under Falling Skies is coming from Czech Games Edition as well, CGE. And this was a print-and-play um, solo game that they picked up and are doing like a full release of. So this is coming out this fall. It is decently expensive for a solo-only game, but it looks like they've added a fair bit of content to the box. So I'm interested. I'm always interested in a solo-only game, although... When they have too much content, they tend to push me away a little bit because it's just too much stuff going on. I just want a quick, easy game. So we'll see how it goes. All right. And this is the, always the fun one is trying to pronounce these board and dice releases. So Tawantin Suyu. I'm going to just, just say that's right. I think it's right. <laughs> I think it's right. I don't know. I think we have a general disclaimer on all of our episodes that it's probably not right, but it's fine. <laughs> it does have a subtitle, The Inca Empire. I'm probably just going to say that going forward. There you this go. The, we're fine. Yeah, I'm done. I'm, we're good. Uh, this is the new one from David Turchi, and I love his games. Uh, Dice Settlers was fantastic. He's done a lot of work with other people. He worked on Anachrony. does a lot of solo modes. So I'm pretty excited about this. It's in that board and dice line of like historical type of games with crazy long, hard to say names, building out what looks to be kind of like a pyramid-ish type structure, uh, placing things in the middle of the board. So I don't know as much about this as I would like, but I do know I want it. So I don't think it matters if I know too much about it. I'll, I'll get it. I'll play it. I'll tell you guys about it when it comes out. But yeah, this is looking pretty good. And I think it comes out in October, November. Praga Kaput Regni is the new Vladimir Suchi game, which I think you might have mentioned a few weeks back. Uh, I have not read much up yeah. on this one. I know you probably have a little bit, right? Yeah, I love all the things about this. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It, it doesn't really... I, I, I think that's the most eloquent way of putting that. It's It just has a lot of the great components that you're looking for in a Euro game. And it has one of the most innovative designs I've ever seen in a board game. I mean, obviously, I'm a big Suchi fan, but I think this current iteration kind of blows out some of his previous ones out of the box just because... It's so different than anything we've seen previously. But again, I haven't played it. So 
if you like, you know, quasi Rondell's research and resource management and building, plus some really cool 3D elements, you know, this just might blow you away because it, it just looks and seems to play very different. But until we get to the table, I'm still buying it. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> it's funny. Like, I was never as big of a Suchi fan as you. But after Underwater Cities, I'm like, yeah, I'll buy whatever he releases. It's fine. I'll just do it. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of buy without having to know what it is, Bonfire from Stefan Feld. This is coming as this was going to be his big Essen release I believe and it's just this big sprawling puzzle looking game I don't know enough about this I know we looked at it a little bit not too long ago it's got a bit of like mm -hmm. a fantasy element like you are gnomes living in a city and you have to light a bunch of bonfires or something but yeah. mechanically because it's a Stefan Fell game there's a bunch of stuff going on like you're moving your ships around to different islands you're taking tasks moving resources around you're inviting these guardians of light into your city there seems to be like a programming element to it where like you're trying to trigger these processions of these different things through the city and moving your resources around big old puzzle game and I don't know if it's like Aquasphere, but just the way it's described seems to remind me of that a little bit. And maybe that's just because sure. it's like a goofy theme and that maybe that's all it is, but I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, you get Feld and you get some really incredible artwork. And as you mentioned, Aquasphere, but it also reminds me of Luna, mm. especially that kind of puzzle element and the, the separate little spots where you move all your workers and such. So yeah. It's uh, something you definitely could check out on Tabletopia if you're interested in, you know, muddling through with the uh, the platform there. Yeah, yeah. Probably should do that before I, like, hunt it down and pay an inordinate amount of money to get it to here. To it. Nah, you're going to do yeah, that probably. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one up, Hansa Teutonica, the big box edition. So Hansa Teutonica is not a game I've had a ton of time playing. I think I played it once or twice, and I liked it, and I picked up a used copy. You've probably played it more than I have, though, right? Yeah, I think, again, it's one of those games that if you look at the game, whether it's the board or the kind of setup, or you're just like, oh, this is just another generic Euro. And I say that because I have said that many, many times. But really, it's one of the most engaging, interesting, mechanical Euro games that you can kind of put together. And it's tight. I mean, again, it's a very unassuming type of game, but this is the big box version, which it really throws together a little bit of everything. So again, go beyond the looks of it, go beyond the dryness of it and really experience a great game. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, big box edition coming out this year. I think the base version has been out of print for a little while. So that's exciting. Yeah. All right, another one up. I'll let you talk about this one as well. Just kidding. It's Trois Dice. You have no interest <laughs> in this. So. No, because when I play Twa, everyone takes my dice. Like, I wanted to have my dice. <laughs> I worked really hard for them, and they keep taking them. <laughs> so, but what about a game where it's just dice that people take? No other mechanics. Ah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, it seems like no matter what comes out in the board game industry, that eventually there's always a dice version and a card version of it. Does that mean eventually there'll be a Board Gamers Anonymous card version and dice version i don't i mean does the logic follow yeah, i mean yeah obviously <laughs> okay it's good to know <laughs> if we have a game that is literally a dice game and then they make a dice game of that how deep down the rabbit hole yeah. can we go 
I don't know. So, well, I think you're gonna like this. Yeah, I mean, it's a roll and write. I like Twal already. It's in my top fifty. I like roll and writes, although I have soured, not soured. I've cooled on them a little bit in the last year because so many came out, and some of them were not great. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. I do like what they've done with the Twa formula, with the expansion and with uh, Black Angel. So I'm interested to see how this works. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. Yeah, <laughs> I will do that. All right. Polynesia from Ludanova and designer Paris Sylvester is a network and root building game. It looks relatively light, small box type of thing. Like it reminds me of like a, at least at the look of it, I don't know, mechanically of a Reiner Kanichia game where it's just, You've got some mm-hmm. meeples and you got some boats and you got a bunch of islands you're trying to connect. And mechanically, that seems to be what you're doing. So it's pretty, though. It's very nice to look at. Paris Sylvester has done a lot of really good games. Um, the Lost Expedition is one of my favorites. The King is Dead is fantastic. That's getting reprinted. This should be interesting. He's very good at these small, quick, under 90 minute games that have a little bit of depth to them. So I'm interested to see how this one turns out. All right, the Quacks of Quedlinburg, the Alchemists. Or, as it's listed on BGG, the Quacksalber von Quedlinburg, the Alchemisten. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's easy for you to say. I, know. I, was, I didn't think I'd get through that. I was good. Uh, it's probably, I'm nice. sure it's mispronounced, but you know. Uh, Look, we, we grade based on effort here, not on accuracy. Oh man, A+. Plus. <laughs> Oh, man. So this is the second expansion for the Quacks of Quedlinburg. This one adds Nightmares, Obsession, and Hysteria to the base game. So you now have laboratories, which you will use to distill essences that you can then use to free the different citizens mm-hmm. of Quedlinburg from these afflictions. So basically, everyone's been cursed to some degree. You're trying to help. This is the second big expansion. You can play it just with the base game or with the Herb Witches. This game's awesome. Expansion, the first one is very good. So I'm sure the second one will also be very good. I'm excited. Yeah, I love this. I love everything about this. Again, the artwork looks great. You're looking at kind of like individual situational powers kind of things. So again, I mean, who who thought the Quacks was going to be this deep? It was like, oh, this is a great press your luck game. And then next thing you know, everyone's like, no, 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 I really love this. I'm willing to spend like triple the amount of the game price for really awesome components. And then like they came back and they were like, yeah, let's make this, you know, a big, big, you know, multi-level type of game. And at least at this point, they have not uh, disappointed at all. Yeah, that's such a fantastic family way game now. All right. So moving on, we have Anno 1800. This is a new game from Martin Wallace. It's based on a popular computer game um, in which you're building up your industry and developing an island on which you happen to live. So we all know Martin Wallace is a fan of the age of industry, um, like half of his games focus on that in some form or another. So this one, again, focuses on that. It has deck construction. Of course, there's cards in the game because it's Martin Wallace. Cool thing, though, is because it's taking mechanics from the video game, you have things like tech trees, different types of workers, like farmers, craftsmen, engineers, investors. You have to kind of work into the into your strategy. So I'm interested to see how he takes like a more traditional, like, resource management strategy style of PC game and turns that into a board game because I feel like he's always been kind of close to that anyways. So this should, this should be fun. All right, Curious Cargo. This is the uh, second game from Ryan Courtney and Capstone Games. Um, he designed Pipeline and this is for two players only. So this one's been up on pre-order for a little while now on uh, the Capstone website. 
and should be coming out, I think, in October. And it is, again, kind of a, that pipeline style approach um, where you're like taking tiles and building out a little tableau with them and moving things around. I guess supply chain the game. <laughs> it's kind of what his stuff ends up being. But it's pretty, uh, it's engaging, and it's like a more Euro-centric style two-player game. So I'm intrigued. All right, 2491 Planet Ship. This is from Mebo Games and Antonio Sousa Lara. And it is a big, sprawling uh, sci-fi game that re-implements City of Spies, Estoril 1942. So this is a game from 2015. I think Stronghold might have released here that it did okay, but I don't, I don't know that it stuck around for too long. Obviously, getting rethemed this quickly, not so much. But... That game had a very interesting theme. This one is obviously, you know, 25th century sci-fi. It's a a little more generic in terms of a theme. But the artwork and the coloration and the way it's being presented is very bright for a sci-fi game. They're usually generally very dark. So I'm interested in this. I didn't play, you know, City of Spies first time around, but this game definitely looks, you know, more up my alley in terms of theme. All right, next up we have Kramer and Kiesling's Paris. This was up on Kickstarter not too long ago, and I think you talked about it a little bit, right? Yeah, I really like this game. It, it looks like a family way kind of gateway game, but has a lot of the kind of like engaging basic kind of mechanics of any kind of Euro building situation. So you're running around collecting resources, unlocking other resources, and again, has a fantastic production from Game Brewer. I think it hit its goal pretty early on. A little on the expensive side, but definitely a game that you want to get to the table. All right, next up we have Cafe. This is a quick production chain game about getting coffee that only takes 20 minutes to 45 minutes. So it's really quick. It's light. It's like a smaller box. And it has some really intriguing artwork on the cover, which kind of caught my attention. Um, Mechanically, it seems fairly straightforward. Uh, It's um, based on... You, you are coffee companies and you're trying to basically go from plantation, aging the coffee, roasting it, distributing it, creating and building a supply chain of coffee, the whole nine yards, but only in like 30 minutes. So I'm interested to see how that works. Anytime someone takes like one of these larger economic concepts and takes it and boils it down into the bare minimums, it either works really well or doesn't work at all. So we'll see how this one pans out. Yeah, and like you mentioned here, the artwork here on the cover is just so wonderfully unusual, and it really integrates one of the kind of interesting mechanics I really like from Smartphone Inc., where you have these kind of overlaying puzzle parts that kind of fold on top of each other, and then based upon how they link up, you're scoring points and you're gaining resources. So it's very unusual, very different, and definitely something you should be checking out. All right, next up we have... The third in the Clever Trilogy from Wolfgang Warsh, Clever Hope Dre. I don't know what that's going to translate to into English, but it is the third one and I will be picking it up. So <laughs> same mechanics as that's pretty clever or Ganshon clever um, and twice as clever, but with all new scoring areas, which might not sound like much, but twice as clever was actually very interesting as like the sequel to Ganshon clever. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, Give me more. Give me more different ways to roll those dice and score points. I'm all about it. Sure. <laughs> okay. You know you like it. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, it, it, it does feel a little samey to me, but if you like it, you know, roll on, my friend. Roll on. 
I will. <laughs> All right, next up we have Whistle Mountain. This is the sequel, or I guess I'm going to call it sequel to Whistle Stop. Uh, so the designer of Whistle Stop, Scott Caputo, mm-hmm. is, you know, he, he did Whistle Stop, he did the Rocky Mountain expansion, and now he's working with Luke Laurie, who designed one of my favorite games, Manhattan Project Energy Empire, Yes, which took the mechanics of a very good game and created something new and wholly different with it and was just such a fantastic resource management tableau building type of game work placement in there so this game is a standalone it's not a sequel to whistle stop uses kind of the same artwork and it's got a similar theme but now you're using blimps and hot air balloons so you're not going through the mountains anymore you're going over the mountains (laughs) and it's got some other mechanics that might sound more familiar from energy empire. So like there is worker placement, you're investing all the money you got from railroading into new technologies. You're building up resources and upgrading abilities. So it seems like at least mechanically, there's more going on here than in whistle stop. It's supposedly not any longer of a game. So I don't know if it's same weight wise. It's not a lot of information out about it yet, but the pedigree of the designers the way they're tweaking it and the combination of like using kind of the similar artwork that they had before. I'm very interested in uh, what whistle mountain turns out to be. Yeah. I think the answer to the question, what is the best heavy Euro game that you've never played? The answer is the Manhattan project energy empire. It's just a wonderful, crunchy, fantastic, fun, different type of game that most people have never played because they just think it's another rehash of Manhattan Project. And this looks, you know, completely new and different and odd and interesting and wacky at the same time. And I really don't know how you're particularly supposed to even talk about this game, but just it's it's got a little bit of everything, as you mentioned, tile placement, player powers, worker placement. But if you just take a look at the board, it's very, very different. So I'm really excited about this. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Um, Next one up is the newest from Phil Walker Harding, uh, Cloud City. This is coming from Blue Orange Games. It is listing as a very light game for ages like six and up, which makes sense for Blue Orange. And it is a city building type of game, but really what you're focusing on here is the walkways throughout the city. So you're earning points based on the longer that your walkways are and how they connect to each other and where they go through. You're trying to connect buildings. You're trying to connect different types of buildings. There's like forest walkways and river walkways and ice walkways. So like, seems like it's taking a lot of the ideas behind, you know, like a city builder type of tiling game and boiling it down to just one component in there. And Phil Walker Harding in particular is very good at these light family weight tiling games, like with Baron Park and the gingerbread house. Like he's very good at building these. So This is a game I'm very interested to see how it works out uh, for my family, especially because they do love those games. And then last but not least, uh, this is something I'm personally very interested in. The Robinson Crusoe Adventures on the Cursed Island Treasure Chest. I've been saying they need this for years because Portal Games has released dozens of promos for this stupid game. (laughs) And I can never remember which ones I have, which ones I don't have, where I got them, if I lost one. I think I opened the box not too long ago, two, three months ago. And I had like one expansion that I had like three of that I just picked up at conventions. So this box gives you all of it, plus a few new ones, all in one thing for one price. And you just have all the extra stuff that's ever been released for Robinson Crusoe. And hopefully they don't make any more because then I have it all. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think, again, this is another one of those games that most people have never really gotten through just because it's just a box full of stuff. And it's a great game. I mean, I love the innovative mechanic about, like, how are you going to succeed? Are you going to risk it with one die or are you going to go with two? And if you do that, there's consequences to that. And the cards go back into the deck. So, yeah, you stepped on some random thing, but maybe it's a thing that's going to hurt you later. Maybe not. I mean, it's just such a smart idea that your past actions plays back into the deck as future situations. So wonderful, but it's such a box that you have to kind of like cut through the chaff of the game because there's just so many components for every different variation of the game. And unless you have someone who's mastered or played through all the different scenarios, it's 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 a bit of a mess. All right, so that's everything that's going to be coming out in this upcoming season. Obviously, we'll hear about new games with Essence Spiel right around the corner. But take a look at these games and see if it's something that you'd like to add to your list, add to your collection, and hopefully add to the table. All right, Anthony, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>